This is the People Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. Hour three of the People Show. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda, Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Shamati running the show today. And of course, you, the people on the People Show, 65650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We asked you heading to break for an entry into the People's Show Fantasy Football League, which I will be drafting pretty soon here. Yeah, we're uh, settling on a date. We'll have that probably by tomorrow, but it, it's getting near. Yeah. It's getting close. We, we have six more spots, five more spots, because we've just given one away. But we asked you, Aaron Judge is now at 50 home runs or more twice in his career. Only three players have hit 50 home runs or more four times in their career. In the history of the MLB, we gave you one, Babe Ruth. Who are the other two, Randy? The other two, uh, we can't confirm or deny whether what was being used at the time. Mark McGuire, 96 to 99, and Sammy Sosa, 98 to 2001. That's it. That's the list. Babe Ruth and those two guys. We had a lot of Barry Bonds come Mm -hmm. in the answers. So here's the thing about Barry Bonds. Only hit more than 50 home runs. Once in his career, the 73 home run season, he hit 40 plus six times in his career, including 49, but only made it past 50 the one year, which is pretty wild to think about. It was way over 50. (laughs) It was way over, but he only did it once. Congratulations to everybody that got it right, but especially to Tim in Vancouver. Tim, welcome to the league. And I got to say, the last three entries through randomization and bribes, have been going to Vancouver. So Vancouver oh. is powering back after Surrey was dominating early. You know how to get in winter of trivia, or if you uh, have a, a good submission for a bribe, something that's good for the brand or something that's good for the people, uh, you can text it in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Let's talk to Curtis Crabtree. Joins us now from Seattle Q13 Fox. Curtis, how are you? I'm good. How's it going? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Uh, getting ready. Uh, 12 days away from kickoff. Uh, now we kind of threw cut days. And look, there, there still could be some roster machinations here uh, as waivers kind of goes through and other people get picked up. Uh, what's kind of the vibe today? And what's your impression of what the Seahawks did today? Yeah, I, I was, you know, I did a roster projection for, for the team coming into the weekend and I got the offense perfectly correct. And it was the defensive side of the ball where there was some surprises to me. Um, Marquise Blair being like, so it was a little bit of a surprise. He had a really bad second preseason game against uh, Chicago. Um, LJ Collier making the roster was a little surprising, I guess, just because he hadn't done much and he'd been hurt and entering his fourth year. It's not, not a lot's been there, but he made the roster. Um, I don't think there was anything, mild, you know, super surprising. Justin Coleman being released, you know, might be one of the more notable ones uh, of what they did here during cutdowns and all of that. But that might also just indicate their faith in Kobe Bryant, the rookie who they drafted uh, in the fourth round for potentially handling, handling that nickel cornerback spot. So I think those are some of the things I took away from the roster cuts we saw today. 
nothing slapped me across the face and shocked me or anything like that. But uh, they're practicing here in about 90 minutes or so, and we'll hear from Pete Carroll afterward to get his thoughts on uh, what they did. Well, you mentioned Marquise Blair there, you know, 2019 draft pick, a lot of optimism, especially early on. And uh, is this based on injuries? Is it based on play, or is there just a lot of options now at the safety position? It's both. It's Marquise Blair had the, the knee injury the last two years that obviously set him back a little bit. But when he played, it seemed like one out of every five plays or so, he'd be out of place, out of position. Um, he missed a, hand, a number of tackles in that Chicago preseason game. Uh, he always goes for the big hit, and sometimes he comes up really empty. Um, and then other times he'll be in the wrong spot and the play will happen in front of him. And so uh, I, I just I, – he never did anything for me watching him uh, in camp and all those sorts of things. I, I felt like there was a, uh, an area of his game that was just lacking. And so in that regard, it kind of surprised me. But I don't know if they get to that point if it doesn't include – Josh Jones having a really strong preseason in camp for them. The former, I think, second-round pick of the Packers has really seemed to to come into his own at this stage of his career. They apparently seem to like what they saw at undrafted rookie Joey Blunt as well because he made the 53-man roster here out of camp. So I think those couple um, guys in particular kind of pushed it to where they it, it allowed them to be expendable with Marquise Blair. I was a really big fan of him coming out of college. How much did just injuries play a role into his career? It certainly does because the two injuries were pretty significant mm-hmm. uh, the last few years with the knee injuries. But like I said, it, it was more than just the injury aspect to it. It's not like he wasn't moving around decently in camp and the games. He moved fine. He just didn't accomplish much. And I think that's what kind of ended up being the death knell for him. We, we've seen this now, this regime, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, they, they've been there for a long time. And we're going through this cycle of, hey, does this look like – 2010 all over again they were very active when they first came in turning the bottom end of the roster we we see it's cut day across the league how how active do you think you'll see this group be this time around in this kind of rebuilding phase well there's one position in particular i think they definitely need to address and that's like the off-ball linebacker spot because right now there's not a lot there for them. They have three guys they have on the roster right now, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, and Nick Ballore is their number three linebacker, and there's nothing else there. They cut Joel E.A. Booneyway um, after the first preseason game, um, or was it after the second game? Either way, they didn't like what they saw from him and the special teams aspect of the game, among other things, and um, they're just very thin at that position. I mean, Nick's been, you know, he's played both linebacker and fullback throughout his career, but for him to be their number three linebacker at this point, and then Cody Barton's entering his first year as a penciled-in starter, there's just not a lot of depth there. So I think that's the one position in particular that screams to me that they're going to look for some waiver claims or free agent signings or or whatever to backfill that position group a little bit. Uh, a couple of their rookie und- you know, undrafted guys um, could fill in on the practice squad a little bit. Vi Jones is a guy who uh, could end up there. Um, Joel, Joel DeBlanco had a you know nice final preseason game. He could certainly end up on the practice squad. And since she can elevate guys from the practice squad three times and, and, and and use a roster mechanism that way. They've got some options that they can keep around on the practice squad, but I think they need a little bit more depth there, and that's the one place in particular I think I'd see them still look to tweak. Okay, that's one of the weaker position groups. What would you say is the strongest position group on this team, a reason for optimism? I think running back, assuming they're healthy, running back, I think it's going to be just fine. Rashad Penny has looked fantastic in camp. Ken Walker has shown ability um, in practices. I know he only played a little bit in the first preseason game, but we've seen some of the ability he's brought there. And DJ Dallas and Travis Homer have made 
strides forward. I think both of them, Dallas has had a really nice preseason. That group looks solid. And I actually think cornerback has come quite a long ways too. Uh, Sidney Jones and Artie Burns have missed time with injuries. And so you have to be a little bit concerned about that, but both Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen look like they're, they have the NFL pedigree to be guys in the league. I think, I don't know if Tariq Woolen's going to end up starting out of the gate or anything, but I think, in a somewhat similar fashion to Richard Sherman, I think when Tariq Woolen gets his chance to start, I don't think he's going to let it go. Um, it just might not be right out of the gate. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, like, um, I just think that group has come come along quite a bit for them to where it's a pretty, pretty solid collection that they have there with their depth and, and, and what they're bringing to the table right now. It obviously takes some time to build this stuff out. And, you know, you go back to, to when the, the, this regime started and they, they grabbed an Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman. You can kind of build out that foundation of what the, the, the team looks like. Not that we expect anything to reach to that sort of level, but if you if you're trying to see like where the seeds are planted for like the next foundation, the the position group that is the foundation prior to them bringing in a quarterback, what is the position group that you kind of see is is building towards something? I, I should have mentioned the, the defensive line there uh, a minute ago too, because I mean with Daryl Taylor um, as a pass rusher, looks super fast this year. The the strong like run-stopping presences that they have inside with Puna Ford, Brian Monet, Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, Al Woods. That's a good group of defensive linemen for a 3-4 front that should be pretty solid there, too, if if Boye Mafe pops. And he's shown you a little bit of ability in the preseason here. If he can be a guy as well as they bring him along, I think that group for, for projecting, projecting the future a little bit still, even though a lot of those guys are veterans on the D-line, I think it's a pretty good collection for them to have the cornerback spot for sure because all of those guys for the most part are fairly young outside of Artie Burns, who's a former first-round pick. Sidney Jones is still finding uh, his footing in the league after dealing with the injuries early on in his career. Um, I, I think those are kind of the areas I, I look at personally myself as that have pretty good depth. Jordan Brooks in the middle is going to be fine, but it's everybody else around him at that off-ball linebacker spot that's a little bit in question right now. And they're going to need Jamal Adams to be a dude for them. And I think Mm -hmm. you're going to see him play some linebacker and fill some of that role too um, to kind of fill that void that they have there. But um, I think that's kind of the areas on the team I look to. This whole year is about building out the roster so that when they drop that rookie quarterback into the mix next year, they've got a base to support that group and make it ready to go because the best asset in football is a good quarterback on a rookie contract. And if they can give the supporting cast to that guy and give him the opportunity to succeed right away, I think that's what they're looking to try to do. I want to ask you about uh, Jamal Adams, talking to Curtis Crabtree here down in Seattle, Q13 Fox. Um, You mentioned, hey, there's a potential that he could play linebacker. And you mentioned, hey, there's also a hole right now at linebacker. Is it more likely they go acquire another linebacker for that off-ball scenario, or is it more likely they maybe get a safety to add to the depth they already have with Ryan Neal and some other guys that say, hey, we can free up Jabal to kind of be this chess piece weapon around the defense, and we have the depth behind him if we just need a more traditional safety? I think it would be more so still the backfill, the linebacker spot, because with Josh Jones and with Ryan Neal and now Joey Blunt on the roster, I think they have enough at safety for the time being. And they could easily try to to move another guy into the practice squad to have for additional depth there at the safety spot. I think they need real special teams linebacker depth on the roster to kind of supplement what they have there. So I I think that's what I would expect them to do. Jamal's going to play the linebacker spots for sure. He'll rotate in there in certain packages, certain situations, certain down and distance uh, situations and all that. But uh, I I think they need a little bit more depth of pure linebacker in the mix too, because it will help them on special teams as well. 
So the Seahawks have opted for a little bit more inexperience on the O-line. You got Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, kind of the center of that. Um, some outlets over about two weeks ago called it the worst O-line in the league. You look at Pete Carroll, he's been giving them praise, especially after week one. Uh, where What's the level of confidence in these young guys and, and the O-line in general? I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Both the both the rookies look really good. I think um, you know Abe's going to probably have a little bit more growing pains as he as he comes along. But I think Charles Cross has every bit of the pedigree you expect a, a first round you know top ten left tackle prospect to have. He's looked really impressive in times outside of the penalties he had in the game against Chicago, which is that's not going to be an issue for the long term. Um, I think Austin Blythe has done a very nice job at center. Um, I think he's got his limitations and a you know a ceiling that's there for him for sure. But I think he's been a steady presence for them. The guard spots are fine. They've got three quality starting NFL guards on their roster, and Phil Haynes, Gabe Jackson, and Damian Lewis. So that's not going to be a position a problem for them. And Jake Curran can play both the tackle and guard spots on the right side. So I think they have. I think they're easily six deep on six seven deep on the offensive line, and it shouldn't be a massive problem. Their biggest issue with the offensive line might be Geno Smith's tendency to hold the ball a little bit too long at times might come back to bite them a little bit but I think they've looked good in the running game pretty serviceable in the passing game and if uh, Gino can get the ball out of his hands I don't I don't think they're anywhere near the uh, the bottom of the league from an O-line standpoint if if that O-line is good does it speed up the the timeline on the QB acquisition because I think there's an assumption that oh yeah they're they're definitely going to get a QB next year a, a young one but is there a chance that like hey maybe they're just good enough and they get seven wins and you're not in the spot where you can draft a QB, could they go out and acquire a veteran because the infrastructure around them has kind of been built up? They could. Um, I I think at the end of the day, the fact that they have the two first-round picks next year, regardless of what they finish with their record this year, they'll be able to move up the draft order to get to basically wherever they need to get a quarterback they like. Maybe you can't get to one if number one's a quarterback needy team or two if that's a quarterback needy team as well. But they can get high enough up there in a quarterback class that's thought to be like five to eight deep, depending on how you grade, grade those guys and what the general consensus on them are going into this year. Of course, that can always change. But I think that going to get that quarterback next year makes all the sense in the world for them. And, I mean, if the right circumstance came along to where uh, the right veteran came available at a certain price and they – thought the quarterback class looked like this year's and it was just garbage. Could they pivot to that? Sure. But I, I think getting that rookie quarterback is the big thing because, again, then you control the cost of that position for, for four-plus years, and that helps you build out the roster around. Like back in 2013 when they had the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL, it didn't bite them there, but they had to then skip on that to pay the quarterback eventually, and that's the most expensive position in football, and it makes it more difficult to keep a team together. Hey, Curtis, we really appreciate this. Uh, excited for the kickoff uh, pretty soon. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Take care. Uh, at Curtis underscore Crabtree on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow, does great work uh, covering all Seattle sports, uh, but including the Seattle Seahawks. I mentioned, hey, we can go in searching for a QB and all that sort of yeah. stuff. We, we were talking about QBs yesterday a little bit on the show, but more so in the breaks. So I didn't have time to get to it uh, yesterday. And, and I said something that Dom was like, what are you talking about? And I'll, I'll bring it on the show today. It, it's, yeah, fill in the people on your yeah. questionable decision-making. <laughs> questionable decision-making. Look, the, the Seahawks have a QB problem to solve, okay? They need to go acquire a QB at some point. But we were just kind of talking about QB situations because Jimmy G signed yesterday, and we'll, we'll talk about unstable QB situations in just a second. 
I was kind of making the point that Gino, like a lot of things are going to go wrong for the Seahawks offense this year. Gino for me in the preseason has been fine. The things that have gone wrong, there's been receiver drops. That's not a Gino problem. That's receivers dropping the ball. There's been a couple of holding penalties on the offensive line. It's not a Gino problem. That's an offensive line problem. Gino has controlled what Gino can do. He's not overly talented, but like he's maximizing his ability. There's going to be problems on the Seahawks offense this year that are going to get attributed to Geno Smith that I don't necessarily think is fair because that's what happens, right? Problems go on the quarterback, credit goes to the quarterback. That's just yeah. how, how things happen. And there's, I think there's going to be an onslaught of criticism on Geno that's not going to be justified. The thing I said to Dom was, he's fine. There are certain quarterbacks I'd actually rather have than Geno. And, sorry, there's certain quarterbacks I'd I'd rather have Geno then. And one of the guys I said to Dom was Zach Wilson, who's second overall pick hype machine for the New York Jets. And the reason was, while Geno has severe limitations on his upside, the things that he can do well are the basics. That's why he stayed in the league. Like, Geno knows how to throw accurately. He knows how to time up the play with his feet. He knows how to just set up protections. He has limitations on overall arm power, arm strength, all sorts of stuff. His own mobility. Those are real world problems that Geno's never really going to solve. But he can meet a baseline. He can do a lot of basics, which is why he stayed in the league as long as he has. Zach Wilson, there are highlights. And you can whip the ball all over the place. If I can't trust you to throw the ball accurately, if I can't trust you to understand how defenses are attacking you, I don't care how far you can throw the ball. I don't care how hard you can throw the ball. And Zach Wilson has more opportunity to be a superstar in this league because he has certain athletic gifts that certain guys don't. But I don't trust that he understands the basics at all. And there is a host of quarterbacks that have been drafted high. Jake Locker, out of the league. Blake Bortles was drafted after Geno Smith and is already out of the league. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky has been beat out already by three guys. Uh, they haven't officially named it, but the fact that they're debating Kenny Pickett kind of shows me Kenny Pickett. But yeah. Mitch Trubisky's kind of done. He went second overall. Carson Wentz is kind of on his last stop. Zach Wilson has more technical, like, physical ability. Yeah. But if, you, if I had to bet, like, who's going to have a longer career at the end of it, Zach Wilson or Geno Smith? Geno Smith is in year 10 Okay, of being a real, like, he has a career the whole time. Okay, before I I let Dom jump in here, Mm -hmm. because I'm sure he has thoughts, as you are. No need. need. He's just, he's in the fetal position and behind the glass here. I get get the idea, like, the ceiling is not going to be high for Geno Smith. He's in year 10. Yeah. But he's consistent. But you're also not going to create the offense to be around Geno. No, he's he's like a, he's like that student that shows up to class. He's going to get a C. Yeah. He's present. Yeah. And he's not going to flunk out. He's not going to go on a roll. He's going to he's going to be there and graduate. Zach Wilson is like the the too cool for school kid that is capable of getting A's, but what are you going to get? What are you going to get on a daily basis? Is he going to behave? Is he going to skip class? It's been one year of Zach Wilson though. Like one year, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, a 4 and 13 team. And yes, his QBR was junk. 28.6 if I'm not mistaken. Like it was one of the worst out there. But man, it's tough, tough to discount 
the special talent. And I'm with you. Being in that division when Zach Wilson would pop up on the schedule, let's go. Let's go. But I am not selling that stock as of right now. As of right now, Geno Smith, you'd rather have Geno Smith than a, a guy with... I have... Like such page turning talent, Zach Wilson. I, I have such again. That's the allure. It's like, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. But he's it's, not. It's the potential of if he gets it right. That's, that's why if you're doing the fantasy draft kind of thing, you'd take Zach Wilson. I would take Zach Wilson just on the idea that you you have a two percent chance of getting it, whereas Geno has a zero percent. I get that. But if I have to win a game and my only two options are Geno Smith and Zach Wilson, I'm choosing Geno Smith every single time, every single time, man. That's a rough proposition. Yeah, Gino doesn't have that dog in him. That's what Marcus and Gibson's been saying on the text line as well. Wait, does does Zach Wilson have that in him? He's going three and ten. He might have won the offseason, though. He won the offseason. <laughs> we all know. We Again, all know. cool. Headlines and highlights. It's it's great for the gram. Okay. He's working skill out, wise, man. He's skill he's wise. Weight. Like what I'm saying is he's got to flush more down the toilet for me to say I would still take Gino over him. Like last year was bad. And the fact that Joe Flacco prior to the injury, was still yeah. beating you out for the job. That's what is, I'm saying. It's not a good look. It's not I, a good look. Can we just get a, a acknowledgement around the table here that he did not have any weapons to throw at? Like, reliable weapons. Denzel Mims was a... No, no, he doesn't even get play, Denzel Mims. He wants out of New York. <laughs> Who's his most reliable receiver? Jay Crowder? Gone. La- I'm talking last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Last year... Who is he throwing to? I'm Nobody. with you, Dom. I'm with you. I'm saying like, I, he's not consistent, but last year was a bad team in New York. I'm not saying it's going to be that much better because they're still going to probably be bad. I think Geno Smith might be like the 30th best quarterback, maybe 28th. Man, there's better and, backups across the league and than Geno Smith. Come I, on, I've man. got him ahead of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I'm not going that far. I think you are looking at this through Seahawks colored glasses a little too much. I literally just told you he might be the 30th best quarterback in the league. I o- don't think that's Seahawks colored Oddly glasses. enough, I don't know. I think Bick is wearing Jets colors today. He <laughs> this is, this yeah. is the, he's wearing gang green today, man. <laughs> and he's dunking on the team. People were calling you out to say that I'm you were wearing, wearing my team's colors, colors, apparently. I, I think that's too dark. No, that's a teal. I, I didn't play it this way. Yeah. This is a... A polo it, I have it's, it's the wrong hue of teal. Oh, please. Needs to be a little lighter. Yeah. Yeah. What was the term you used earlier? Powder? I, yeah, it leads, needs to be a little bit more powdery yeah. to be the Dolphins teal. Yeah. But this is close enough. Come on, man. It's, not a, it's the closest thing to a Dolphins jersey. Let uh, me ask you this. to Vicky for noticing, by the way, can on the stream. I, can I ask you this? Yeah. Would you rather have Tua or Zach Wilson? Tua. All right, this conversation's over. Are you kidding me? What I, is, is not, that? I, Tua has not done anything in the NFL. I readily admit that. Yeah, I can't but wait. It's to, not like Zach Wilson has. I can't wait to watch him underthrow Tariq Hill all season long. Well, yeah, and I can't wait to and, see. And like that I can't wait happen. to see Zach Wilson holding a clipboard while Joe Flacco plays. Yeah, again, like, like the Zach Wilson fits into the Johnny Menzel category. Or the Sam Darnold category. There's a bunch of Blake Bortles category. There's a bunch of guys that have been drafted early that it's like, oh, he can become something. A lot of those guys don't become anything. And they're out of the league because they don't know how to do the basics. This isn't even someone like Jared Goff, who's on a second team, going to be a starter again this year. Like RG3, out of the league, fast. These guys don't last. I'm willing to give him one more year, but Dom, you do have me thinking now uh, when the Jets play the Dolphins. I see another side bet. Easy manual. There's another guy. Out of the league. Fast. We should go. Nick Shook is waiting. All right. We'll get to Nick Shook. Speaking of Shook, I think Dom is Shook after Vic's take. (laughs) Uh, 
we'll get into a couple other things. I'll, I'll pitch this by Nick as well on the other side. Unstable QB situ- situations across the league. Uh, Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the show, 650-650. If you want to chime in, you can also tweet us, DM us, DM us at Randy Panda, at Bick Nazar. You can also DM uh, Josh and Dom. I thought I thought Dom was not supposed to be DM now. Now that he's engaged, remember? Right. But he also doesn't have open DMs. Josh, do you have open DMs? I do. I got a DM about a tweet the other day. They were very mad that I would suggest a baseball team in Vancouver might be... A good idea one day. I agree with that, DM. It's a what? terrible idea. Yeah, someone someone was really upset about it. It's a terrible idea. But they said an MLB team would never work in Canada. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's already <laughs> it's it's currently working. I, I don't, don't know. know. Did you catch the Blue Jays play the Angels this weekend? They barely look like an MLB oh, team. Yeah, man. that person was immediately justified. That is right. wild. That is wild. NBA would work better. But yeah, you can uh, DM us as well. We got one. Uh, we're talking about the quarterback situation. And uh, our guy, Coach K, DMs, and uh, there's so many bad quarterback teams. People will be calling Tom Brady when he's 55. So it happens. Possible, man. So it happens when you can do the basics well. You, uh, st- you stay in the league. I'm still adamant that Dan Marino's arm could hold up in today's NFL. Ooh, that's a take. That's a take. Uh, let's pitch it by our guy, Nick Shook. Uh, joins us from NFL.com. Nick, how are you? Good, how are you guys? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Uh, I was kind of making the point. We're talking about unstable QB situations across the league. Uh, Jimmy G signs. And if it, it, look, it could be as simple as they have Super Bowl aspirations. They give themselves some insurance on Trey Lance for injury or if it just doesn't work out. But it, it feels rather unstable there right now. What, what, what's your read on, on that situation? Well, it's unstable because it's unproven. You know, what do they have in Trey Lance? They're not entirely certain because he's only in his second NFL season. He doesn't have a full season under his belt. But they also know that they didn't just trade up to number three to let him sit for, you know, multiple years. They have to kind of, um, you know, get this transition going, this succession plan. They got to they gotta jumpstart it. They got to get it going. And part of that is handing it over from Jimmy G to Trey Lance and taking the necessary risk with it. And they're not really going to have the answer to any of that until uh, they see him play for a full season. So I don't know if it's necessarily disorganized or anything like that. I think it's more just, they don't, they can't accurately predict what they have just yet. And keeping Garoppolo around keeps them, you know, it gives them a, a viable experienced veteran backup, somebody who can step in in the event of injury or, or, you know, hopefully not for, uh, Trey Lance, you never know if he struggles, you know, significantly. And at that point, then they're questioning their entire future franchise plan. Um, and it also brings an end to this weird situation that they had. Now, I, I firmly believe that if if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have that shoulder surgery, that you know he's on another team, and and this whole thing is not even a topic. But because of that surgery, complicated matters, and they realize that, hey, you know what? At this point, there's not much of a market to trade him. We don't want to cut him. Let's see if he'll negotiate down to a lower number so we can keep them and still have room to make some moves if we need to. And at the same time, the benefit to them is that they have somebody that they know, they know what he brings to the table. And they also know that he might not necessarily be able to lead them to a Super Bowl on his own merit. Otherwise they wouldn't have traded up for Trey Lance and made that move. So 
It's um, it's a complicated matter, but I don't think it's one that's necessarily all that difficult to unravel and, and kind of figure out. It's just a bit of a unique situation in today's NFL. Well, coming out of that division, and we were discussing this a little bit yesterday, the Niners and their so- Super Bowl aspirations, uh, we know they're in that division with the Rams. That, that division's fallen off a little bit over the last couple of years, obviously, but are those aspirations realistic? That's, that's the thing is what do you believe Trey Lance can get you? Um, because like, you know, from my standpoint, I have to, you know, give turning predictions and everything else as part of my job. And I can't confidently say that I think that they're good enough to go win a Super Bowl. But then again, last year, I probably wasn't saying the same thing either. And they ended up getting all the way to the NFC championship game and, and took that thing down to the wire. So they nearly got back there last year with a team that I didn't think was quite capable of doing that. The difference though, is that Garoppolo stayed healthy uh, for the most part, and and was able to play well enough to not lose them games. Um, obviously, you want your quarterback to be able to go win you games consistently, and and that's what they're looking for in Trey Lance. It's just that we don't know. So, I mean, the the good portion of that roster is back. You locked up Debo Samuel. You like what you have in Elijah Mitchell. You lose your offensive coordinator, but does that matter that much? When Kyle Shanahan's still the one in charge of running that offense, I don't know. Um, defensively, most of your key contributors are back. I don't think it's a transition year. I think it's a year that they'll expect to be competitive, and it really just comes down to what they get out of Lance. And, and as of now, um, it, it's it's a big question mark. Uh, I'll pitch this to you now because it was something I brought up earlier. Um, I, I'm a Zach Wilson detractor, okay? I understand the arm talent, and it, it looks majestic when you can put it on Instagram stories or TikTok videos, and that's all you have to watch. But when you have to watch him snap after snap after snap, there's like basic fundamentals I think he gets completely wrong, and I'm very skeptical that it ever really comes together. And I was kind of saying... If I have to win a game, like I understand like drafting people for, for potential, he'd go ahead of someone like Geno Smith. But if I had to win a game today, I'm probably taking Geno Smith just because I can look at him and it's like, hey, he's doing the basics really well and I can build everything around him. I don't have to worry about someone who doesn't understand protections or how defenses are attacking to him. If I just said, if I had to win a game, is it unreasonable to say Geno Smith ahead of Zach Wilson? Uh, no, it's not. You just know that you're getting a low ceiling with Geno. Sure. You know, he's, he's not going to go out there and throw for 400 yards and win you a game. Zach maybe could do that. We don't really know. I mean, he had the arm talent coming out of college to be able to do that. It's just that we haven't seen him put it together yet. So that's the tough thing with all these guys. You know, I'm, I did a triplets ranking um, across the league and, and in ranking these quarterbacks, I mm-hmm. found myself, I found myself with a lot of those young guys that we just haven't seen a lot of that might have that physical talent. They might end up being that guy, but as of now, they have not proven themselves to be that guy. Um, they end up, you know, in the bottom third ranking just because you just, I'm, I'm the type of person that needs the proof. I just, I need the proof from guys like that. So yeah, I think you're right in that we've seen more from Gino. Has it been stellar? No. Uh, does Pete Carroll obviously like him enough to name him the starter? Yes. And, and I, you know, looking back now that he is the starter, I don't know if it was really that close of a competition to begin with, unless Drew Locke really had to come in and like play lights out and, and really stun people to win that job. I think just because, you know, you have a, a known commodity in Geno Smith and, and the ceiling is not as high, but you know that he's not going to go out there and lose you a ton of games. And I think that's what's most important when you're in a situation, you know, if you're like the Seahawks, whereas the Jets, does it really matter if you go lose games? No, because you're in a rebuilding situation and you've already invested in that guy. You want to go try and go for the big fish, you know, try and, and, and 
and reel in the big one and potentially, you know, set your franchise on a course for future success. So, I mean, they had nothing to lose really in, in playing Zach Wilson, but yeah, if it comes down to one game, I, I understand what you're saying there. I do think it's a bit of apples to oranges just because these two franchises are in such different positions. And it's not necessarily an indictment of Zach Wilson either. Guys come into a second year. The game was clearly too fast for him at times last year. And he also wasn't healthy for a full season. So, um, my biggest thing, you know, in this conversation in general is I really wish that teams would give, I know that we're, you know, what have you done for me lately in this league, especially now more than ever, but I do wish teams gave some guys longer leashes, longer runways to really let them figure it out and then prove themselves instead of like two, two and a half years. I think we should, they should get a little bit more time. Well, staying in that division, Tua is definitely getting a lot more resources to work with. Uh, we'll see how long the leash is. He's got McDaniel there as the new coach. He's got, you know, Tyreek Hill as a weapon. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a Dolphins fan. I've kind of ignored the preseason to a certain extent because the tandem has looked good. But what do you make of the usage? What do you make of the tandem thus far? And does Tua have, Yeah, what kind of impact do you think Mike McDaniel will have with the young quarterback? You want to talk about unknown commodities. There's one right there. Yep. Um, I'll go with the tandem first because I'll tell you what, they started that last preseason game real well. I mean, that I, I don't want to sound like a hater, but I think Patrick Mahomes puts it in a spot that Tyreek takes that first completion for a touchdown. It was just a tiny bit underthrown. Uh, not a ton, not like we saw, you know, in the OTAs and everything else. And it still went from 51 yards, but it required a quiet catch from, uh, from Tyreek to complete that pass against the Eagles. But, um, you know, you like what you saw there. It's just that, you know, once you get into the regular season, you're not facing, you know, such vanilla defenses and everything else. Can Tua handle the pressure? Can he stay healthy? More than anything, can he stay healthy? Um, I think that he'll have an improvement based on the staff that they have. The downside to that, though, we just talked about this with leashes, you know, the length of leash, length of the runway. He doesn't have a lot of time to go prove it. He's got to go do it this year. Now, they've equipped him accordingly with Tyreek Hill. Uh, it was a little bit interesting to see Sony Michelle cut, not super surprising, but a little interesting going with the uh, Chase Edmonds and the, and the Washington backs, uh, uh, Savan Ahmed and uh, Miles Gaskin. So, you know, it, you've given him more pieces than he's and more resources than he's had probably in recent years. But you do have a first-time head coach. You do have a new pairing in those pieces that you still have to get kind of used to. And you do have a quarterback who has yet to go do it. So the ceiling's high. I think that, you know, if he figures it out, he could, he could justify that first-round pick. And the reason that everybody was so excited about him coming out of Alabama but um, the window is not open for super long, so they got to have a sense of urgency and get after it quickly. Talking to Nick Shook from NFL.com, getting ready for the NFL season, uh, 12 days away from the first Sunday, uh, and obviously next week, next Thursday, things get underway. So w- when you're thinking ahead of, of who, like what's going to be the story of the season, you know, Joe Burrow had his moment last year, Patrick Mahomes, he's had his coronation. It feels like Josh Allen is kind of getting that hype going into this year because we saw what happened in the postseason and it feels like, hey, maybe this is the Bills moment. He's kind of the preseason darling. Is there another name that you look at and say, hey, this guy is going to be the story of this season? No, I actually kind of feel responsible for part of the Josh Allen thing because <laughs> um, I, every time I think, because I've sat back and thought about this, not at length, um, but just like in passing, you know, what's who are the prevailing favorites? Who are the people that are going to dominate the headlines this year? Like, I didn't think it was going to be the Cardinals last year. And for 13 weeks, it was the Cardinals before they blew a tire down the stretch right. and it ended up being the Rams. And, and that was really what we thought 
for most of last season was they traded for Matt Stafford. This is huge. This is going to be huge. And it wasn't for a while until they came on strong at the end. So I think it, uh, it kind of goes in seasons. Um, and, and I think that the bills even had their lulls. The chiefs certainly did last year and the Bengals came on strong late as well. So I don't know if we have an overarching story to the entire season. I am intrigued by a couple NFC South teams in New Orleans and Carolina. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield's redemption tour could be a very interesting storyline to continue to monitor, and he's going to get a great revenge opportunity in week one. Uh, but, you know, you talk about the entire AFC West. That's a strong division. It's going to be uh, a brawl to try to win that division. But, again, I just keep coming back to Buffalo. Uh, they they a lot of those fans probably feel as if they should have won that game last year against the Chiefs. And, and you know, Tredavious White just – got placed on the reserve uh, PUP list to start the season, so he's out for the first month, which reminded me that he's been gone since Thanksgiving. And, and I wonder if maybe he'd been on the field in that game if they'd won. So if they were that close, if they were truly that close, then I have a hard time believing they're not going to be the story, especially because I think they got a little bit better this year. They don't look like they missed Brian Dable at all, at least not in preseason action. Of course, the real test comes in week one, and they got quite a test in L.A. going to SoFi to face the reigning champions. But I think it's a really good litmus test for them, a good measuring stick to start the season uh, and see where they are. And I think I feel like if there's any team that's going to hit the ground running, it's them. So I'm excited to watch them, no doubt, throughout the season. I want to get your thoughts on this because I know you wrote about it earlier today, but the Saints, who you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, traded Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles. Uh, surprising move. A lot of people didn't see this one coming. Uh, what did you make of the deal and, and what the Saints did, specifically trading yeah. him away? Yeah, I mean, they got very little compensation, which tells me they were pretty ready to move on from him. Now, now the reports that we've gotten from our people have essentially said that, you know, contract talks broke down and the Saints shifted from trying to keep him to trying to trade him and trade him quickly, evidently, by only taking a couple of late-round picks. And, I mean, they traded uh, Gardner Johnson in a seventh for a sixth and a fifth. Um I'm almost positive that if they had kept him and let him walk, they would have gotten a better compensatory uh, pick out of that than what they got in that trade. So that tells me that like the talks were not close and that they had to get rid of him and move their separate ways immediately before it became kind of a distraction. And, you know, he's a, he's a really good slot corner, but slot corners don't get paid. He's a safety masquerading as a slot corner. Maybe he's a slot corner masquerading as a safety. He's definitely brought in to that role in new Orleans. He's going to go play safety in Philly I thought it was a great pickup and a savvy move on the part of Howie Roseman. And he's done this many times. He's one of the best GMs in football. I don't think he gets his due credit. Uh, you know, he, he finds an opportunity to get younger and potentially better at safety. You know, you look at the position group as a whole, Anthony Harris, Jaquaski Tart, uh, two veterans in there that they were seeing, you know, hey, could we get anything out of either of these guys? Um, you know, they released Tart. There were reports of Harris either being cut or traded, you know, earlier on in the day when this trade went down. So it made sense. It was almost like a one-for-one. Hey, we got younger, and you got an opportunity to sign this kid before he hits the market if you like what you get out of him. So now it's really just a test of how does he fit in at playing safety? Because if you look at his player location lineups in next-gen over the last over the course of his career, he spent most of his career closer to the line than as a, as a free safety. So, Or even a you know, strong safety, free safety doesn't matter. He spent most of his time much closer to the line as a slot corner and a little bit of a box safety than the traditional sense. So how does he fit in? Does he adjust well? Does he hit the ground running with his new team? Oh, and by the way, they have a game in less than two weeks. So a little bit over a week. So you got to get prepared in part, as part of a new defense right away. Uh, it'll be a good test for him, but it could pay off wonders for Howie Roseman, and he didn't have to give up much to do it. 
And and that's kind of been a theme of their offseason. Obviously, they're bringing A.J. Brown, and, and they've made these investments because they have the benefit of a QB on a rookie contract, which hey, we can talk about all the institutional edges you can create in, a, in an organization, good GM, good coach, whatever it is. If you have a QB on a rookie contract, it, it just opens up so many doors. And I happen to be down on the Bengals this year because they have a QB on a rookie deal, but they didn't really push their chips in. Like, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl, had a lead in the fourth quarter, and they haven't to me, made quite the level of investment that you'd expect when you have this cheat code of a rookie on a or on a QB on a rookie deal, and it happens to be such a star on that deal as well. Where are you with the Bengals and what they've done this offseason? I think that's a fair point, but I also think that the Bengals are a franchise that will financially prepare before most other ones will for a big contract that's coming because, let's face it, Joe Burrow is going to get paid yep. a whole lot of money. Um, and I feel as if they... They think that they're good enough right now. And and frankly, they were down the stretch last year. I mean, they, they avoided injury for the most part last year. They lost Riley Reef, and that ended up being part of their downfall in the Super Bowl. But they got to the Super Bowl with this trio of young wide receivers, with Joe Mixon, with Joe Burrow. All they really needed to do was upgrade their offensive line, which is where they dedicated their resources. You got Alex Kappa, you got Ted Karras, and then you go get Leo Collins. People should be more excited about them than they are. And I think the reason that they're not Part of what you said is, is definitely true because they didn't necessarily make the big headline-grabbing splash addition that you expect out of a team like that. But I can't blame them considering they got to the Super Bowl the way they did with the majority of their team, and they were able to get Jesse Bates to come back so and sign his tag. So that's a huge win for them as well. That's kind of flown under the radar a little bit too. So if you look at all that, you look at what they did last year, and their biggest weakness is offensive line. They addressed that. Then we should expect them to be contenders again. Now, did I pick them to win the North? No, but that's because I just think there's a little bit of variance from year to year, and they won it with only 10 wins last year. So uh, they would have to you know, outperform themselves this year to, to really convince me that they're going to win that division running away because the rest of the division kind of fell apart and cleared the way for them to go win it with 10 wins. So I think that um, you know, they've addressed their, their issues. They've brought back their key players. I mean, I don't see why they shouldn't be one of the one of the teams that can be in the running again. It's just that it's not only that the fact that the, you know they they didn't make the big splash signing, but they're also the Bengals. Like they have to shed that reputation. Getting to the Super Bowl one year doesn't help you shed that reputation. You got to do it. You got to be contender consistently before they start taking you seriously again. This is a team that used to make an annual tradition of getting to the wild card round and losing in the wild card round. Almost every year, you know, multiple years in a row they did it, you know, in the last decade. So they have to shed that, and they can do that by, again, being a very good team. Uh, it's just people aren't going to be so ready to get back on board. They enjoyed the ride last year because it was a surprise, but they're not going to put all their chips in the, in the table uh, on that team again. Uh, he is Nick Shook uh, on Twitter, at the Nick Shook. Is your Twitter handle like Ohio State? Do we have to say the Nick Shook or is it the Nick Shook? I, I don't care. The only reason that, that there's a the in front of it is because everybody else took the good one. Like there's there's a there's a preacher in Indiana who's had at Nick Shook for oh twelve years now. Right. I used to try to get it from him, and then he blocked me one when I was in college. So that's where we are. That's what happened. I appreciate it. Uh, go check him out at NFL.com and at the Nick Shook on uh, Twitter. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, Nick Shook from NFL.com. Hands up here. We'll we'll we'll. Do a little bit of truth serum between the four of us, and, and everyone else can text in as well. Okay. When you woke up today, how many texts or messages in your group chat of the Amazon Prime football did you guys get today? I got like one or two. 
One or two. Josh? I got one. Dom? None. None. All really? right. Really? Okay. Well, I, I'm in enough fancy football group chats that I got like six or seven. How many of you guys actually believed it? And and then this is the hands up part I want to see. I believed it. Oh, Josh. But I saw, okay. I saw my, my, right my stock I... in you is, is declining <laughs> real fast. Okay, so I, here's the thing Amazon Prime put out a statement or a video today. Like, hey, new football exclusively for Thursday Night Football. It's thinner. It's smaller. It's You can throw it faster and farther. More aerodynamic. Yeah. It was a cool video, to be fair. Yeah. And yeah, I, they really made it seem like the Thursday Night Football games, which are going to be on Amazon Prime to watch, that they're going to use that football. Okay, my, my hand isn't up, but Vic, off air yesterday, we were watching a video about Real Madrid's new stadium. Right? Yeah. Which is going to have this crazy hydraulic system they take the field and the pitch underneath the like ultraviolet so i was in the mood of like oh innovation so i'm i maybe wouldn't go as far as josh Mm -hmm. but for about a half a second i was like oh innovation is coming they're they're building up they're following up what real madrid's doing to the pitch this is the real madrid pitch of (laughs) footballs and then i was like no it ain't happening so for a half a second i was excited maybe i was gullible I completely bought in oh. until I saw the... I, okay, look, I saw it right when I woke up. I only yeah. saw the Amazon Prime thing, and I was like, oh, this is dumb, but also, okay, whatever. I, I feel like there's a window if you if it caught you, like when you're still in bed or still like... Before you brush your teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're like half asleep still. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it got me. And then I saw the Russell Wilson video, and I was like, oh, this is not real. I'm dumb. <laughs> Just to put a Vancouver spin on this, bring it back to the Real Madrid thing you brought up. Yeah. Yep. Why can't they do that to BC Place? Oh, they'll do it in the uh, the Dougie uh, Dome. The Dougie Dome. <laughs> yeah, you got I'm the sure dollars. They will. <laughs> you know, Real Madrid doesn't struggle financially at all. There's no like Vancouver does. No, I'm just saying, like, man, the, it's owned by the government. You think the government's gonna give yeah. up billions upon dollars? That's what I'm saying. It's like sell, sell the naming rights. The the ability to generate those funds is much easier for Real Madrid than it is for the province of BC. I'm looking. Oh, at oh, let's the back tech. it up a little bit. Let's back it up. Man, we can't even get a proper, like, actual field in BC Place. It's been a discussion for the last 20 years. Do you think they're going to do that? <laughs> they're going to dig That's underneath? That's the part I don't understand. It's like, why do we keep paying for new turf fields? Just get a new grass field or whatever Real Madrid's doing here with this. I, it looks unbelievable, to be honest with you. Yeah, how the, the grass, like, stacks underneath the ground. It, it's ultraviolet, like, rays. You've got the, this watering system. Yeah. I mean, like, it's elite. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, go check it out. That ain't coming to like Arizona. The Cardinals have something cool yeah, they where they roll the field. They roll out. the whole field out. Yeah. Yeah. And that looks super basic compared to this, and that's awesome. That's pretty cool. This is like next level. I don't see BC having that technology for the next fifty years. Dom, I'm I'm being honest. The Real Madrid thing. I like so the panels are just supposed to click back in and apparently yes, yes they do. So if you haven't seen this video, basically, Green Benzema just is, supposed to play on that. And it's like we're we're all okay with that. Like someone's not going to slide out a panel and on, ACL man. goes. You think they're They'll have that. It's not like, you know, putting in new patches of grass at your house. I'm like, a little concerned is all I'm saying. I think they'll be okay. The, the video made it look so easy. It's like the Sims. You just like click, 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 click. And it's like, oh, it's perfect grass. I, I, I don't know. I remember the, when David Beckham first came with LA Galaxy and it was the uh, USL Whitecaps at BC Place. They had squares of real grass over the turf. And you could see the squares like where... The outline was. Right. That just looks dangerous. Boys, I was was awful. So I was supposed to do, this would have been, if I'm not mistaken, the first of its kind in MLS. I was supposed to do the first ever Punjabi broadcast of an MLS game on Omni back then. Me and Bupinder Hundle were supposed to comment when, remember when Manchester City came? Yeah. 
And they played Empire at Empire Field. Yeah, that game. Don't remember a lot of Manchester City things. Yaya Toure basically like jumped up, and oh, then yeah. the, the waterlogged pitch fell down and grabbed his ankle, and everybody was like, "Oh no, oh no!" One of the most expensive players on the planet got injured at Empire Field. Didn't happen. But the following match, the grass was so messed up that Real Salt Lake versus Whitecaps, the first ever broadcast in Punjabi, got canceled. So, you know, that wasn't that long ago, man. No. That was like 10 years ago, yeah. eight years ago. So the Real Madrid technology, John, that ain't coming to Vancouver no. until like 2050. Listen. Uh, if that. BC's good at, you know, we, we have a history with grass. We why grow other we, types of grass. Why don't we, we invest? We have a history with grass. Fantastic. Uh, long story short, don't believe the Amazon uh, Prime football post, guys. No. And if you, you haven't seen it yet, just... Just move and if you did, it. Move past it. whichever friend send it to you, just delete them from your phone right now. Also, just know it's very believable. <laughs> don't don't get confused, but you will think it's real when you see it. It, it, it looks very believable. I'll, I'll give you that. Joe. It was actually Mr. Booth on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Booth would do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Big Nazar, Randy Janda, Dominic Schramati, Josh Elliott Wolf. Uh, and you as well. Get your submissions in for Don't At Me 25 minutes away. Plus, we'll discuss uh, the next entry into the People Show Fantasy Football League. You can uh, win your way in by Turf Trivia, which we already gave away today. But we're also accepting bribes in as well. If you do something for the community, you do something for the People Show, you improve your chances to go in. We'll, we'll make one more entry in the next hour for the People Show Fantasy Football League all on the way here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.